I cringe when I hear people, and they don't mean to, will refer to the Holy Spirit as it. He is a he. <laughs> He's a person. And so we need to address him as he is. I would never call God it, or Jesus it, or my son it, or my daughter, or anyone else for that matter. It's a per- he is he is a person. I said it myself. I talked myself right into it. He is a person. So the person work. So I highly recommend this. It's a really easy read. It's a fascinating read because he writes in a real story form. So there's also a little workbook that goes with it, which you can look at. It's on Amazon. It's not expensive at all. It's paperback. So anyway, we'd encourage you to dive in. We're going to pick up. I'm going to do a quick backtrack where we start. I'm not going to go too deep in where we came from because we need to move on through because at the end of tonight. For those of you who want to and would like to, we're going to pray to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, don't get, oh my gosh, there's going to be glory balls flying around. No, it's going to be Jesus filling the building. That's all it is. So let's pray together. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, Father, we seek truth. The truth that makes us free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so, Lord, we lean into the truth that makes us free. Open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, our hearts that we may know. And, Father, may we be willing to take the risk of setting our theological trophies up on a shelf for just a little bit to simply say, Lord, we want truth. And we want to be fully equipped so that we can fulfill the call, the destiny, the purpose that you have placed in and on our lives. The assignments that you've given us to do. Lord, we need power. We need equipment to do that. So Lord, we lean into that. Father, we, we, we're not going to check our brains at the door. But we are going to, by faith, embrace mystery. And we're going to start saying, wow, a lot more than we say how. So give us grace to do that. So even tonight... I'm asking as a son, Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher tonight? Would you be the Spirit who leads us and guides us into truth? For your word calls you the Spirit of truth. So thank you for that. We lean into it. We posture ourselves as students, as disciples, as learners. And I myself, even though I'm teaching and facilitating, I too, Lord, posture myself as a disciple of Jesus tonight. And I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for your anointing to speak truth and bring truth. So, Lord, may literally all that's said and done here tonight be filtered through the truth of the Scripture and the truth of your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So, as you can see on the screen, I'm not going to take a long time on any of these But this is really the baseline for what we're doing. We're going through the book of Acts, but with an understanding of there is a reason why he has given us this information, this this introduction to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. There's a purpose behind it, and we'll talk about that. Here's Acts 1a, and this really is a baseline uh, scripture for us. I'm going to actually show you something else. Uh, I'm going to go right here. Our harvest vision, Max rolled this out, but you have to understand it wasn't just Max's vision. It was actually a collective vision of a lot of us who are in leadership in the larger picture of Oak Hill. So it was all of the campus pastors, it was other people that are in leadership, all came to this conclusion. The Lord, we feel like, and Max would say this, he articulated it when he gave the harvest message back in August, he felt like the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, there is a harvest coming. Now, when anybody that I have, uh, when I'm under authority in a sense, I'm a man under authority, and I look at Max as a coach, as a mentor, as my pastor, as my friend, but I also understand there's spiritual authority, there's a hierarchy, there's a chain of command, so to speak, and I honor what God speaks to that man. And so as one who is willfully and joyfully aligned with Max, when he said, I believe, and I believe the Lord's told me there's going to be a great harvest and we need to prepare for harvest. I was all over that. I, I, it was like, Katie, bar the door, right? Some of you may know what that means. Others will go. So I'll, I'll put it this way. I was not like a calf looking at a new gate, all right? So now you're with me. So I was like, yes, we're going to go and we're going to, and we're going to get prepared for harvest. Now being raised in the middle of a cotton field, I understand what that means to get ready for harvest. That means there's a lot of work that happens before the season of growth comes 
and then when the fields are ripe unto harvest. We have work to do in the meantime. And what that is, we call it, we're calling it doing life in 4D. And there it is right there. It means this. We want to we discover who we are in Christ and discover our identity according to who He says we are, not according to what the mirror says we are, or a parent or a coach who, who said something in the heat of the moment, or a teacher or a significant authority figure in our lives who maybe said something that imprinted our heart, imprinted our mind and our spirit, and now we're laboring under that identity. What we want to do is chuck what the world has said about us and say, what does God say about us? That's the discovery phase. We want to be about who He says we are, because listen, this is good news. He sees the end from the beginning, the Scripture tells us. And because of that, He already sees you and I as a finished work. A finished product. He knows where this thing's going. Nothing in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the amazing, has ever caught him off guard or by surprise. And that's why we read Romans 8.20. It says, and he causes all things to work together for the good because nothing catches him. By the time it happens, he's already got a plan and a way out, a way around, a way through. He's already working on it. So always trust that. So this discovery thing is critical. The second D in, in our 4D vision plan is develop. We want to be disciples of Jesus. That means we need to be developed in our faith. I don't know about you, I've been given the measure of faith, but I also am told that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ, the Word of God, which means even though I have a measure, it can be grown. It can be expanded. I want to become larger on the inside than I am on the outside. It's hard to wrap your physical mind around, but listen, in the spiritual realm, all kinds of crazy things are possible. I want to be large in here, and then eventually the outside has to line up with what's going on on the inside, right? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? So there it is, develop. We want to develop. So that, what we're doing here on Wednesday nights is a higher level of development than what we do on Sunday mornings, knowing that on Sundays we have a different group of people. We have people who maybe don't know Jesus showing up. Maybe they've not had a walk with Christ. Maybe they're just checking this thing out. So we want to be available on Sundays to give them an on-ramp and a clear path to the cross, a clear path to Jesus. So that's what we're doing. We're focused on that. That's the second, develop. We want to develop, so that's why you're here tonight. Deploy. Now this is where it gets fun. Now it's time to get your marching orders and let's get on our assignment and we'll look at what our assignment is in a minute because if you think, oh, I just need to know the will of God for my life. No, you don't. You just need to know the will of God, period. Right. Not for your life. The will of God is bigger than your life. Amen. And when you align your life with His will, your life takes on meaning, significance. All of a sudden, life has purpose and there's a reason to get up on Tuesday morning. Or in our case, tomorrow, Thursday morning, right? And it's not just because you're heading into the weekend. It's because you have a reason. There's a reason why you wake up before your alarm goes off. It's not because you have insomnia. It's because you can't wait to start the day. Because you and God partnering as co-laborers and joint heirs, you are excited because He's got something for you. Man, when you wake up that, and that'll tell you, I wake up that way every day. It's like, what's going to happen today? And it's like, it's getting earlier. I don't know if it's an age thing, but it's like getting incrementally earlier. It's like getting a little ridiculous sometimes. Discover, develop, deploy. That's getting in the game. We want to give you your assignment and go. Go do what he's called you to do. And we want to equip you to do it. And it may not always be in these church walls. It's out where you live, out where you work, out where you play. Right? And then the, then the fourth one, love this. This has become my favorite word. And is that we become disruptive in the same sense that Jesus was disruptive. Most of us here have never actually made major life change and transitions without disruption. It was actually disruption that led you to change. Something had to happen, something, an event. Now, don't think of that as a negative word. It's not. To be disrupted simply means, to be, means upheaval. Well, that sounds negative, but actually it may be the best thing that ever happened. How many of you can look back on incidents in your life and say, that was terrible at the time, but oh, what I learned from it and how I grew from it and what I'm... I mean, I met with a pastor yesterday who's closing his church down. And he's already, I said, I said, Pastor, Pastor Rob, what have you learned? Oh my gosh, he, he had a list of, he's already learning in this process. Painful, yes. Failure, no way in God's economy. No way in God's economy. Man's, yeah. God's, no. So he's learning. I said, if you learn, it's never failure. Ever. 
Why? Because you're growing, because disruption has created a teachable moment. You know what I'm saying? So we want to be the type that show up on the scene and the disruptive nature of Jesus in us disrupts the arena of our orbit, where we are, the sphere of our influence, so that people go, something's different. Something's, and we'll talk about later, it may even be awkward, but yet it's God doing something. So here's what happens on... uh, Saturday, Annette and I are on Friday, we're on a date, we're like, woohoo, date day. We go over to, we're watching a movie at the Palladium, and driving home, and we'd had a slam week where we had meetings every night of the week. So we were a little tired by the time Friday evening rolled around, and I turned to Annette, and I said, we need to drive to Abilene tomorrow. And she's like, why? You know, I said, because we need to go hug somebody's neck. There was one reason why we drove three hours, six hours, spent two hours there, is because we needed to go hug somebody's neck. The Lord put them on my heart, and I said, we need to go hug David's neck. We need to reinsert ourselves back in his life because the Lord's telling me. And you know what that is? That's called risk. It's called awkward. It's called... And here's what was so amazing about what happened. Y'all are thinking, man, you must have showed up and God showed up. No, he, was, he called in sick that day. He wasn't even at work. But there was another person there who's David's friend that we got to talk to and reconnect to. And, re- and he was going to go tell David, hey, Jimmy and Annette drove from Fredericksburg just to hug your neck, you know. And that's going to create disruption. And uh, we came home and it wasn't a fail. It was like we were obedient. So God will use disruption in our lives to put us in all kinds of interesting crazy, sometimes very awkward places where you just go, hey, I'm just here. Now, we didn't go in there and tell that guy, oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit told us while we were at a movie in Bernie, Texas, that we're to, you know, we didn't get all theological on him. We just said, hey, we just wanted to come hug Dave's neck. We've been thinking about him and just feel like, you know, we just want to be here for him. That's all it is, disruption. So there's our vision, harvest. Now, back to our verse up here. This is where our, we call it trifocal vision. I know it sounds fancy, but it's just three parts. So look at it. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and that's what we're talking about, being fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. While we're talking about embracing mystery, don't go freaky esoteric on us on this stuff because it's also very practical. The Holy Spirit is practical. Is there a mystery piece? Absolutely. Hang on to that ring. Is there a practical piece? Absolutely. Hang on to that ring, but don't let go of this one. Okay? You can hold both at the same time, and enjoy the, minis- the, mi- the mystery, enjoy the wow, but also understand there's a how component to this, and we'll talk about it, we'll get into it. The Holy Spirit, when He comes upon you, notice it doesn't say in you. That word upon literally means over, it's to be overwhelmed, to be whelmed over. And you will be my witnesses, starting in Jerusalem and all Judea. That's the area in which you live, that's right here. That's the first area. Second, Samaria. Ooh, for a Jewish person, that's moving it out to the Gentiles. All of a sudden, that got crazy. Now, we read it and don't think anything about it. A Jewish person would hear that, and they go, whoa, 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 those are unclean people. We don't go on that side of the tracks. We don't go on that side of town. We don't go to those people. They're dirty. Jesus was saying, no, you're going to go. In fact, that's, once you take care of home base, you're going out to them. There's a reason why Jesus told parables like, Go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. And he wasn't talking about the the initial group that was invited. He's talking about everybody because the initial group said, we don't want any part of it. Jesus said, then you go tell and compel all those other people to come in. In other words, he threw the doors open to the banqueting feast to all of us. By the way, that Samaria piece is good news for you and I, except for Elaine here because she's Jewish, praise the Lord. But... uh, but we're just glad we get to hang out with you. So, the Lord opened the door, grafted us in. Now we're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no dividing wall, right? According to the Word. So, and then to the end of the earth. So, we're going to go everywhere. We're going out. And let me show, tell you how that reads for me. I'm going to go back this up a couple. Listen to this. It reads like, ah, boy, I'm like on fire here. Here it is. Discovering, developing, deploying, and disrupting, and empowering the body of Christ to represent Jesus, because that's really our heart. This really is all about Him. It's way more about Jesus than anything, and it's about them more than it is about me. It's about David. 
in Abilene on Saturday. It's about him more than it is my comfort or my fatigue or any of that. So we want to represent Jesus in every neighborhood in our city and beyond. So that's our vision there. So just a quick one. Without oxen, listen to this, Proverbs 14, without oxen, a stable stays clean. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You know what that means, right? No, you know what I'm saying. I don't have to define that for you, do I? All right, without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox, big ox, for a large harvest. In other words, if we're going to reap a massive harvest in the, in the things of the kingdom, there's going to be a mess. Our stable's going to get dirty. There's going to be people coming to our church that we're going to raise an eyebrow about and go, wow, they, they're, yeah. They. If you notice in the last couple of years, we don't look like we used to here. And that is a beautiful thing. In fact, every week I look out and I go, we're starting to look a little more like heaven. We're starting to look more like the kingdom. We don't look like just one sliver of people. One demographic. One socioeconomic group. We now are beginning to look like our community. Because we're going out in the highways, the Bible is compelling them to come in. Come on. We're like the Statue of Liberty. Bring us your broken. Bring us your bruised. Bring us your... Come on. Come on. So, I just want to say the ministry, work, and activity of the kingdom is messy. It is disruptive. It is awkward. However, it is also beautiful, powerful, transformational, and it's our destiny as sons and daughters of God. Here's the deal. The disruption doesn't come because you're there. The disruption comes is because Jesus in you is there. You're not the disruptor. In other words, this is, doesn't give us permission to go be disruptive thinking we're doing something for God. All it means is that we show up and we represent Jesus to the culture around us and the culture reacts and responds. Some will love you, some will hate you. Did He not tell us that? And some who you think are religious family will actually bring you before the courts and before the judges and, be, and thinking they're doing God a favor. I don't know if that's ever happened to you or not. So anyway, I'm just I'm wanting you to see that as we continue down the track and we're learning more about Jesus and the nature of Christ, I just want you to know it means disruption, but it also means transformation. That word's a big fancy word for change. And do we not believe that we are change agents in this world for the kingdom? And it's not about even our four walls here. It's about all of us. Amen? All right, so there it is, the harvest. So we're talking about this, Acts chapter 19. We'll start off here. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. We read that last week, so I'm going to move quickly through this first section. And he said to them, did you receive, that means to take, get hold of, seize or catch, it's to literally lay hold of, the Holy Spirit when you believed. They said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I love what, actually Robert Moore said, he said, sounds like the church I grew up in. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, you know, and he said, I, that's the, the tradition he grew up in, it was a two-legged stool, not a three. Okay, so remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We need three legs for a stool to sit as it was designed to sit, right? Correct? So they said, no, we have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So now we have a problem, right? Okay, Houston, we have a problem. All right, number three. And he said, into what then were you baptized? If you weren't baptized, there's confusion now. So he's asking for clarity. They said, into John's baptism. And then Paul gets it. He goes, oh, I see what's going on here, and we'll clarify. And so into John's baptism. The word into there is a Greek word's primary preposition. We, we love primary prepositions here. And it means to or into, indicating the point reached or entered. In other words, they, they were baptized into John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance. Remember, he, he was the one crying in the wilderness. He was down at the Jordan, and even Jesus came to be baptized. Did Jesus need to repent? No, but he says, but let it be for now. He says, I'm, I'm doing this as an example. So he knew the score, but it also means of, of place, time, or purpose, or result. So they were baptized into John's baptism. So we'll clarify again. And Paul said, 
John baptized with, there it is, I'm highlighting some things that will help us, the baptism of repentance. Telling the people to believe in the one, and there's the key. It's not about me. John's like, whoa, I'm not the one. I want you to be baptized so that you can turn to the one. That's what he's saying. To believe in the one. Who's the one? Jesus. Good, good word. You can, this is where a Sunday school answer suffices. I mean, Jesus. Yes, the one who was to come after him, and then he even defines it. That is Jesus. So he's clear. So we're going to talk about three layers, three baptisms, which most people who say, oh, there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Whoa, you're going way out of context with that passage, by the way. That's not even what that's talking about. But some people will land on that and say, there's only one baptism, and yet they believe in two. They're baptized into Christ, which is salvation, right? Baptized into the body of Christ. So there's one. The second one is they get water baptized. So they're already blowing their argument right there because they're already talking about two baptisms. So that is not a, a scripture to be used to say there's only one baptism. Because so, you've got to know context. Context is king. Context is king. So Paul said John baptized with this. Now here's the number one. Baptized into Jesus. Another way he says salvation. He told Nicodemus what? You must be, say it, born again. All right? Born again. What is that? It's baptized into Jesus, baptized into salvation. It says we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live, but Christ now lives in us and through us. That's Galatians 2.20. Baptized into Christ. Remember what the word baptism means. The word is the Greek word baptizo or baptizomai. And all it means is to be fully immersed. A Jewish person would look out across the Haifa Bay, just outside of uh, Tel Aviv, and they would look out into the Mediterranean, and they'd see a ship sinking, baptizo. Baptizomai, full immersion. Baptized into Jesus, turning from sin to Christ, to Jesus, His provision on the cross, which we've talked about, and the resurrection. So there's the first baptism. Now look at verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 12. Listen to this. Paul's clarifying. He says, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. That's the baptism into the body of Christ. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink. This is what's beautiful, Elaine. That me as, as a Gentile and you as a Jew, we get to drink of one spirit. Amen. One spirit. Brother, sister in Christ. All made to drink of one spirit. Isn't that beautiful? So that's the first baptism. It's a baptism into Jesus or the baptism into salvation. That's all it is, to be fully immersed in. Now, on hearing this, back to Acts 19, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right? So here they are. They were baptized in John's baptism. Paul's go, let me clarify. So he does. He clarifies, says that John was pointing to somebody else, the one, Jesus. So... On hearing this, they say, oh, well, then we need to be baptized into Jesus, which is exactly what they did. Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, Acts 19.5. Baptism number two, baptism in water. That's the next step. So you're baptized into Jesus. You're baptized in water, which is the picture of the old man dying. This is Romans chapter 6. And being raised to walk in newness of life. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. There's a reason why all of us cry when we see somebody get baptized. There's a reason why we cry when we see or hear about somebody accepting Christ as the Lord, right? But the baptism in the Spirit has gotten vilified by a very smart enemy who knows if I can inoculate you from the one thing you need to fulfill the mission that I've given you, which is power, to be empowered, to be enabled. If I can, if I can inoculate you from that, then I'm going to do it. He's smart. He knows what he's doing, folks. The enemy is not stupid. And when I hear people say that kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, ooh, whoa, <laughs> you're stepping in. Don't pick a fight with him. I'm just saying. So here it is. The second baptism is water baptism, buried with Jesus in baptism, full immersion, raised with him to walk in his life. John 6. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. This is out of the book of John 14. We've said this scripture many, many times in here. I prayed it earlier. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So we come through Jesus to be made right with God, where we now are considered righteous, which means to stand upright. So think about, remember those, those soccer bopper balloon clowns we used to play with? It's sand in the bottom. Every time you hit it, what would happen? It'd pop back up. It'd just come right back. That's to be upright. You can knock them down, but they always come back up. That's a follower of Jesus that you may get punched, you may get hit, you may get bent, but you will never get broken as a child of God. You're going to come right back up. What does that mean? Upright, righteous, in right standing. To stand upright is all that means. So, verse 3, now we're in John 3, and you'll remember this. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. This is Nicodemus and the conversation that Jesus had. By the way, on Sunday, did you notice Nicodemus shows up back in the picture? All this time passes, and all of a sudden, Nicodemus shows up to help with the burial of Jesus. So apparently, he did cross the line. He did step over, and even though he came by night originally in hiding for fear of the Jews, he comes openly to say, we need to help bury Jesus. We need to take care of honor where honor is due. And he shows back up in the story. So he tells him he needs to be born again. He said, unless one is, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So again, there's two right there listed. Born again, born of water, and then born of the Spirit. Verse 6, listen, back to Acts. So I'm bumping around a lot because I want to show scriptural uh, references and context that it gives some clarity to where we're going. Verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, now we're continuing the story, they've been now... They've, they've stepped into salvation, baptized into Jesus. They've now been baptiz- baptized in water, but he doesn't stop there because a two-legged stool is no good. It is no bueno. So, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on. The word epi there, again, primary preposition, it means over, upon, meaning a superimposition. When something's superimposed, that means it's laid over. So the Holy Spirit is laid over on top of them, almost like a template. He's laid over on top, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. What prompted me to go back and speak more into this topic of baptism in the Spirit, or this enablement or immersion into or empowerment by the Spirit, is because some of you started asking questions about tongues and prophecy. I'm like, we can't even talk about that until we talk about, we got to get the why behind the what. If we deal with the what, but we don't give the why, we'll all walk out of here scratching our heads going, this is nuts. So I'm spending extended time on the why, because once you get the why, the what will make sense. And I won't have to explain that so much. So here we go. So there was a sign here. Now you need to understand something. Speaking in tongues and prophesying are not the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're a benefit, and they can be a sign. But it's not exclusive. In fact, there are a lot of grace gifts available to you when the, when the Spirit of God... Because here's the deal. The Spirit that we call holy is the Spirit of Jesus, and Jesus is loaded with gifts, is He not? You read Romans, you read 1 Corinthians. I mean, you can go down these gift lists. Ephesians 4, boom, boom, boom. I mean, they just like a never-ending list of gifts. When you get Him in His fullness... You're born again, He comes by the Spirit to take up residence in us, right? But there's also an empowerment where He comes upon us, epi. He comes upon us, you'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So there's an empowerment. What is that? Those are two different roles of the Holy Spirit in our life. Doyle, sitting right there next to the last row, is a father. He is also a boss, an employer. He's also a taxpayer. He has a lot of roles in which he does different things and has different things that he has to engage, and he shows up in different places in a different way because it depends on the place. Holy Spirit is the same. He has lots of functions, different facets of his personality. Same as Jesus. Jesus was a son. Remember Mary? Albeit, she was not technically. You know, I mean, he... But he was a son, and he treated, and even on the cross, he says, John, I want you to take care of mama. I want you to take care. So even in that, he was caring. But he was also, he was also a miracle worker. 
That's what we've been spending awestruck on. He had different ways. He was also a brother. You know he had a brother named James, right? He was a brother. He was a family member. All these different roles, that's what you're seeing here. You're seeing the Holy Spirit who takes up residence inside of a believer, but you're also seeing the Holy Spirit who comes in another way, and that is to empower the believer for the task at hand, for the assignment. Yes, sir, quickly. That's a great point, Steve. Great point. Great, because some of us are a little nervous about some of them, you know, other than, you know, I'll take wisdom, but I'm not sure about this tongues thing. You know what I mean? We want to pick and choose. So, so, or I'll take discernment, but don't give me that, you know, so there's things. That's a good point. Right, so the third baptism is the baptism into or in the Holy Spirit. And there's, here's just a simple definition. Empowerment to fulfill the purposes, will, and ways of God and His kingdom. You need to understand something. That while you can be born again, it doesn't mean you have been fully empowered for the task. That means, for example, a friend of mine who went to boot camp did not come out of boot camp ready to be commissioned. There was still training yet to be done. Even though he was in the military, he was in, he got his ring, he got his t-shirt, he had his bag, he got his pack, he's got, he's got an assignment, but now another level of training, equipping, and empowerment came on top of that. So while he was introduced and did the basic training, there was yet now another level of training. Because the task that he was, thinking of Tom, the task that Tom was going to go into, he would need to now go to officer training school, OT, OTS, because now he's got to go to a whole nother level to do what his assignment, his commission was. It's no different for you and I. When Lazarus came out of the grave, he wasn't done. He needed to be loosed. He came out bound. There was yet more to be done. And this is the beauty of following Jesus, is that there's always yet to be done. There's more coming. There's more, and that's what makes this exciting. Wouldn't it be boring if we were all done? Period. We already arrived. We got, hey, I'm just going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep reading my version Bible and clicking the boxes every time I read. I, I'm good to go. I don't, in fact, I don't need anything. I'm kind of okay. I got dealt with my past. I, man, I know where my future is. I'm just good to go. Whoo. No, there's an assignment that is so much bigger than us. Go ye, therefore, into all the world, and I love, I love the actual translation of it, as you are going, therefore. Therefore, as you are going, disciple the nations, teaching them everything I taught you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the... Oh, wait, there it is again. See, some of you thought that was just a nice thing we say over people. You need to understand, there's three, Father, Son, Spirit, the three bear witness... And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came, and they began speaking in tongues of prophesying, baptism in the Holy Spirit, this empowerment. Bottom line is, I can't do what God has commissioned us to do without power. In fact, when I try to do that, it ends up sounding a little bit like this. Lord, I'm so thankful that I get to do this for you. Would you bless this? Lord, we as a, as a leadership team, we've made some decisions for Oak Hills Church. And Lord, we would ask you to bless our plans. Does that sound insane or what? Exactly. How does it sound when we just say, Jesus, we trust you. We trust you and our people. We trust what you're doing. And we just want to do the next thing you tell us to do. So what do you want us to do? And then having the gall to wait on him and listen. And then if he says, drive to Abilene on Saturday, drive to Abilene. Well, if he, whatever he tells you to do, do. Or tells you to make an awkward phone call to an attorney or a judge. I mean, do it if he tells you to do it. Or to sit with somebody in a room and say, wow, I think I'm here for more than one reason. I think I'm supposed to be here and leak out. Why? Because we're under orders and we're empowered to do it and we're following him into it. So now, we're going to go to Acts 8. I want to show you another incident, another situation where the Holy Spirit was introduced to a group of believers. 
So Philip was preaching Jesus in that place. Remember Samaria, Acts 1.8, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. All of a sudden, we're, we're out here with the Gentiles, and we're beginning to reach out beyond the comfortable scope of Jerusalem. So now they're out beginning to preach the good news. So it says this, but when they believed Philip, who? Those that he was preaching to, those, those Samaritans. When they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, taking the next step, both men and women. Even Simon, remember he was a sorcerer, he, he himself believed, which is a good thing. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing the signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. He was awestruck. Verse 14, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, the message of Jesus, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down, and look what Peter and John did. They prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for, look what it says, verse 16, for he had not yet fallen on. Remember, there's that epi word again. Upon, on them. He had not yet fallen on any of them. In other words, they had not been equipped and empowered yet. They were not immersed into him yet. For he had not yet fallen on him, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were saved, they were water baptized, but there was still one leg of the stool missing. Remember, three-legged stool, a tripod, if you would. So they're baptized now. They'd only been baptized. Then, look what they did. They laid hands, they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, interesting enough, there was no outward sign of speaking in tongues and prophesying in this incident. You know what I love about that? is that if there's a formula, we're going to mess it up. If there's a formula to it, we're going to create this one, two, three easy steps, three steps to knowing God. We'll write a book about it. We'll do a program. But God keeps us a little bit on our toes by not always doing it the same. Why? Because He's personal. Because He's personal. He meets you where you are. Because He's crazy about you. He loves you. So, no pattern. Now, there was the laying on of hands, right? So we go, oh, well, maybe that's a key. Maybe we should always lay hands on people for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because twice we've seen that happen. Okay, let's keep going. So Acts chapter 10, another situation. Now there's preaching, again, the gospel, the good news of Jesus to a bunch of Gentiles at Cornelius' house. This is all based on a miracle that set this whole scenario up. And we already covered this back when we were Acts chapter 10. In fact, I think Don did this one. So, verse 34. So Peter now opens his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Remember, he suddenly got the revelation that it's not just about the Jewish people. It's about everybody. He gets it. So now he has a revelation. That's what the re word revelation means. He sees a layers peeled back. But in every nation... Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable. He's like, anybody can come to him. God's opened the door for everybody. This is good news for, for me. Verse 43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All right, believing in Jesus, the one that John referred to, verse 44. While Peter was still saying these words, all right, so Peter is waxing eloquent and look what happens. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. There is no laying on of hands here. There was none. He's just preaching the gospel and that God sovereignly. The word sovereign means God's will, God's way, what He wants to do, when He wants to do it. God sovereignly decides, I'm going to do it this way this time. Also at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, which, by the way, was about uh, 10 years before this, 10-year span here, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, no one laid hands on anyone. So you begin to see it's not always the same. And that's why we can't just lock into a formula and say, if we'll do it just this way, if I hold my tongue just right, if I'll grit my teeth this hard, if I, if I 
behave well, then God will do... We, we get into these word negotiations. It's not that. It's walking with Jesus. It's showing up and representing Jesus. So while Peter was still saying, the Holy Spirit fell on her. And look what happens. Verse 45. And the believers from among the circumcised, those are the Jews, the Jewish, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? All of a sudden, the Holy... And they're even going to come back and say, just as we were. So look what happens. For they were hearing them. Now look here. Now that sign shows back up again. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling. The word extol simply means to magnify or make bigger. They were magnifying God. They were, make, they were praising God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water? Oh, now all of a sudden it's out of order. I think the Lord messed up here. Because isn't it supposed to be you get saved, then you get water baptized, then you get spirit baptized? No, the Lord's going to keep us guessing. Doesn't that keep it fun? Doesn't that make it fun for you? Now it's out of order. He does something different. Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? That's how it happened in Acts 2 as well. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's the water baptized, baptized in Jesus' name. Then they asked him to remain for some, some days. All the point is here is it's not always the same. And it's not always the same for everybody. So here's another one. Jesus, uh, Jesus I, John's saying this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, referring to Jesus, his cousin, is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, look what the role of Jesus is. Have you ever noticed this? Down at the River Jordan, John says, this is what Jesus is going to do. This is his M.O. This is Jesus' assignment. I didn't write this. I just want truth. And I want all of God He has for me, no more and no less. I want everything He has. He says, He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Where did we see Holy Spirit and fire at? Anybody remember? Pentecost. Pentecost. We already, we, he says this is coming. He says this is what He's going to do. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by Him. And John was like, whoa, whoa, no. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Yes, Steve. Third leg of the stool. There you go. Amen. Amen and amen. Good point. Good point. Jesus came from Galilee. He says, I need to be baptized by you. John's going, no, 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 no. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he considered. Jesus said, look, for now, I want, I, they need to see. <laughs> they need to see. And then, this is not the end of the story, by the way. We said this last week, super short. Did Jesus need to be born again? No, he was the only perfect man that ever walked the earth, right? He was born, he was already born again, again. He was born that way. He was already there. He's perfect. Sinless. Didn't need, didn't need grace in the sense of unmerited favor, but he did need grace as the Son of Man to do miracles and everything God called him to do. So, so it's an it's a interesting mix here. So he says, let it be so for now. He's saying, I know I don't, I don't have to do this, but I want to do this because as an example. But then it's not the end of the story. And when Jesus was baptized, he goes down into the water. Immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. What was that? The Spirit of God came upon him and rested on him. It's baptism. It's the same thing. Again, Jesus being equipped to fulfill the role he's called to. Remember, he was the Son of Man when he walked the earth. Fully divine, fully human. It's a mystery. I've just quit saying how, and I just say, wow, wow.
he says this, a voice comes from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, here's your wine. This is it. Here is your is wine. This is when I'm in a hurry getting these things together. So just ignore that. Here it is. It's empowered for the mission. Listen to this, Acts chapter 1. And while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them, this is the disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So what's the promise? The promise of what? Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but, and the word but, by the way, is the word and as well. It's the same word. It's translated almost the same amount of times as but or and. It's the same, same word. So a lot of times in the English language, we'll say but, and it negates everything that went before it, right? Remember, I love you, but. <laughs> you don't hear anything else, right? All of a sudden, all that good news that you heard just goes out the window because the but came. That's how we've done the English language. The Greek language is not like that. So when they say, but, we'll translate it but, but we can translate it and as well. So you heard from me for John baptized with water, and you will be baptized with, or in, same word, the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Again, Jesus fulfilling his promise, the promise of the Father, and Jesus fulfilling his role when John said, this is what Jesus is going to do. He will baptize you with, what, with, uh, with the Spirit and with the fire, and that's about what is going to happen. Verse 8, this is back to where we started. You will receive power, the word dunamis, we get the word dynamite from that. It's explosive, and it literally means power for working miracles. Look it up, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. But you'll receive power for working miracles. You'll receive force, explosive force, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Our why is this. The point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not so we'll have a big show on Sunday morning up here. It's not so we turn this into a three-ring circus. It is literally so that you're empowered to take Jesus out where you live, work, and play and represent Him well. To represent Him with authority. And to be given the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings to you through this baptism. You now have what He has and He gives as He wills. So, do I have the gift of prophecy? I don't know, but when, that, when it's needed, the Holy Spirit will give a word. And I'm here to field that. But does that mean I walk around prophesying all the time? No. But it might be in a moment, He gives me what I need. Do I have the discerning of spirits at all times? No, but when the Holy Spirit wills me to have it in a given situation, I know exactly what's behind that situation or that person, or that anger, or that whatever that manifests. Wisdom? Oh, isn't it great to know that you got wisdom from the very one who created this whole thing? But I don't have it all the time. I have it when he manifests it in my life, when it's needed. See what I'm saying here? Then you can go down through all the gifts and say, wow, I don't possess those at all time. I have the Spirit on me who does. And when he's ready to bear that fruit through me, he will. Not only does he bear gifts through me and manifest gifts through me, He also bears fruit through me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So, let's, just, let's land the plane with this. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's so simple that we miss it. Because we make it into this big, crazy thing when it's really not. It's a beautiful thing. And many of you, I asked last week, I had asked for a show of hands, of how many of you would say unequivocally, I have prayed for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and 80% of you raised your hands. I'm like, oh, okay. So, receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Look at this in Luke chapter 11. By the way, this passage, context is king, comes right after the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he says what? Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, honored, hallowed, magnified, praised be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And one of the gospels says the evil one. Not just evil, but the evil one. The enemy. He says for yours is the kingdom. 
The power and the glory. The power, the kingdom, the power and the glory. The word glory has several meanings, and it could be the weighty of glory, God, that you feel, the kabod of the, of the Hebrew language, or it could be the weighty, the manifestation of his presence. I don't know about you, I want to learn to host his presence a lot better, don't you? Just to host him well. So it says this, and, and so in the context of that, right out of talking about teaching the disciples how to pray, he rolls right into a story about a guy that was persistent about a need that he had. And he would not stop knocking on the door until he got what he came for. Jesus says, this is how you pray. But we pray once or twice, and we don't get what we ask for, and we go away discouraged thinking God doesn't answer prayer. But he's saying, you be persistent. You be persistent. You stay after it. That's not even the story of the, of the, of the widow who came banging on the door. This is a guy who showed up needing bread for guests that came part of their culture, and they beat on the door and beat on the door and beat on the door until a guy got up and said, what do you need? And he gave them what they needed. Jesus says, pray like that. Be audacious. So he says this, in that story, he says this, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. He just told a story about knocking. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now, let me read it back to you as it's actually in the Greek language. It literally says this, And I tell you, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. He says this, Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. See why it's valuable to know the original languages on this stuff? There's so many jewels in here that we give a cursory reading to something. We check the box that we read the Scripture, but we really don't get the full force of it unless we've got a little bit of oomph to dive in, to go deeper. And this is how verse 10 reads, For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. Does that change that just a little bit? Does it say I might need to be a little more persistent in my prayer life? Maybe, I'm, maybe I've not been going after this like I should. And the one who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. Is there something you've been seeking but you haven't found? Are you being persistent like the guy who banged on the door? Or the widow who would not go away? That's how Jesus says we're supposed to pray. That's a lot more than a nice, neat, tidy prayer. Remember the dirty stalls we talked about? Prayer's messy too. And then the last part. And to the one who knocks and keeps on knocking, it will be opened. That changes that whole thing. Now, the very next verse. He says this, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent, a snake? Okay? It's like, well, duh, no one. This is rhetorical. Verse 12, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. He's, he's, he's throwing out a ridiculous scenario because he's like, God's not going to do that. So look what he says. Verse 13, if you then who are evil, thank you Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, and look what he says, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know how complicated it is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's as complicated as asking. That's how complicated it is. It's so simple, so easy that we miss it. I don't know about you. I don't want a gun and no bullets. I don't want to be saved and that's it. There's got to be more to this life than living and dying. More to this life than just trying to make it through another day. There's got to be more. There is. There's a mission. And if I'm on mission and I'm on assignment, I've been commissioned by God to be a change agent in this world, to make a difference for the cause of Christ and to represent Him well, I need a gun that has bullets in it. So here's how we're going to land the plane. Back where we started. So my question for you is, hearing what you've heard, is there anybody here who's ready to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and get your equipment? Okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're not going to have a show. Nobody's going to get slapped or anything. All we're going to do is pray and believe and receive just like you did when you were born again. Just like you did when you were born again. You prayed, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sins. Come in. 
I give you myself. I'll give you the rest of my life starting now. I'll give you my past, present, future. And then you're like, I receive what Jesus did for me on the cross. I, I need Jesus to be my Savior. You, you tell him that, and guess what? He does. He does. And then you follow him in believer's baptism. Two legs of the stool are done. But you still need a third leg. And that is now the empowerment to do what he's actually called you to do, which is so much bigger than any of us here. And yet he says, do it. Oh, but don't worry, I'm going to send a helper. Remember? Parakletos, the one called alongside to help. So if you want to pray for this, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and then we're going to, by faith, embrace, receive it, and then we're going to go home, you're going to have your Captain Crunch or whatever you do at night, and we're going to wake up tomorrow morning and go, thank you, Lord, for baptizing me in the Holy Spirit, for giving me equipment I need. So if you want to do that, let's stand to our feet. In fact, let's all stand to our feet. So one more time, just so I get an idea. How many of you tonight are saying, I'm ready to pray for this. I want, to, I want everything God has for me. I'm going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, great. That's a lot of folks. Great. Let's do this together. So let's just posture ourselves. Why don't we just do a little act of faith? Just put your hands out like you're going to get some. I mean, just like you're receiving. Just, uh, and nothing's going to happen there, but just it's a posture. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we posture ourselves before you, sons and daughters, tonight. We're so grateful for the first baptism that we entered into the family of God through Jesus Christ and we are reunited to you, Father, through salvation. Thank you. And then secondly, we followed you in believer's baptism where we were immersed in the waters of baptism, whether it was a river, a creek, a pond, a pool, a hot tub, or a baptistry. We followed you in baptism and we were immersed into the waters in the name of Jesus. We were raised to walk in newness of life. We're thankful that two legs of this three-legged stool have been done. And now we come before you understanding your scripture and your word that even as Jesus entered into the water and came out and the Spirit baptized, overwhelmed Him, covered Him, equipped Him for the mission. Father, we want to be equipped for the mission. A lot of us have been running around doing the best we can, and that's, those are the results we've been getting, the best we can. But you call us, you call us to have God-sized results. God-sized fruit, God-sized dreams, God-sized mission and purpose. And so we're here before you, sons and daughters, saying, Lord, we need equipment. We need empowerment. We need firepower. We need all that you have and all that you are to do what you've called us to do because we recognize apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, tonight, tonight, we stand before you Asking, would you, Lord, baptize us, all of us, right here, right now, immerse us fully into the Holy Spirit? Would you fall upon us? Would you overwhelm us? Would you cover us? Would you equip us? Would you empower us with all that you are, the full meal deal, everything you have? We receive, even as our hands are outstretched, we receive by faith. And would you just say, just, just say to him, say, Lord, by faith, I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for filling me inside and covering me on the outside. I trust you, and I want, for, I want to live for your glory. Empower me. Equip me that I may fulfill your will. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen and amen. Wow, yeah, how about that? I don't know what's going to happen to y'all. I just know for me, Nothing happened immediately for me. It's different for everybody. So there's not a one-size-fits-all. We saw that. But I know that over time, something began to happen. There was a momentum that I'd never had before. And just in the initial thing, I just saw an explosion of fruit in my life. And I really wasn't doing anything different. It's just he was now actively engaged in the process. So then it began to bear his fruit, not mine. It was like he overwhelmed me, and I was out of the way. So where you live, where you work and play, 
Know that you can now represent Jesus in a fresh way. And I'm not saying go out and try to make something happen. I'm just saying go out and be who you are in Christ and let Him live His life through you. And I'm telling you, we're going to be difference makers, world changers, and culture shapers. Amen? All right, love you guys. Proud of y'all. Have a good evening. <laughs>